Hello and welcome to the Being Berlin podcast brought to you by Bands. I'm your host, Mac Maton, Canadian writer and Berlin resident who wants to share a piece of Berlin through recorded conversations. Whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Luna Kavari, a singer and violinist from Iran who moved to Berlin when she was 18 years old. She shares what her life has been like in the city and her thoughts on the current situation in her home country. If you've been following world news, you've likely heard about the uprising in Iran. It's the largest woman-led political protest in the country's history, and for many Iranians, it's been a long time coming. The episode was supposed to be the fourth one in our releases, but due to the timeliness of the issue and just how fascinating it was to hear Luna speak, we thought it should be the very first Being Berlin episode. We hope you enjoy it. It goes. It goes? Is that a German expression? Not really. This is more of an Iranian expression for the moment and the stuff happening in the country, so I can't really tell you I'm doing well. But, you know, show must go on. The show must go on. Yeah, I'm trying to do as much as music I could. That's the most important thing. That's why I'm also here in Berlin at all. And, yeah, try to keep my head up and fight. You've been in Berlin for six years. Almost. Almost six years. Yeah. And what brought you out here? Well, um, in one word, music. I used to play violin for 14 years, classical music. And I wanted to come to Berlin to study classical music because Berlin is one of the craziest cities for classical. And deep inside, I always wanted to sing. But since I come from Iran, and women are not allowed to um, work as a soloist, as a singer, it's, it's not allowed in the Islamic Republic. So um, once I got here and I, I did the um, exams for violin and everything, so I was on my way for classical. I used to go to this um, jazz bar in Berlin called The Hat and sing for fun. And one day I was like, hey, now you're here, you're not in Iran anymore, and you can sing, why not go for vocals? So, yeah, that's a short story about So you came with the intention of studying classical music and you transitioned to singing. I used to sing uh, opera in Iran, so I was doing it... I mean, I was learning vocals because I liked it, but mm-hmm. I was uh, focused on violin. And the only thing that you, I mean, at that time, and now it's different, but I, you could you could learn classical singing, like singing in opera and also in, in choir. Um, so I was learning classical and I was doing also some concerts in groups because you're allowed to sing in group, but not as a soloist, as I said. But once I came here, because I like jazz, so this, you know, this black American music, um, I didn't go to, I, I don't know, some classical halls to sing opera. I went to the jazz um, clubs and jazz bars to be able to do what I actually like to do. So I was just trying stuff out. I didn't have the technique or I didn't have no idea how to actually sing jazz, but that's how it started. So I was just trying stuff out in the jazz bars, being a bit tipsy, you know. So how, how soon a- after you moved here did that start? 
right after. I wouldn't say the first week, but maybe the second or the third month I was already doing stuff which had to do with music. And I was like actually lucky because I was looking on um, on a website. I think it's called Craigslist or something. And I found found a band who was looking for a vocalist and a violinist somehow. And I was like, maybe I can give it a try. And I started working with a band in some parties and stuff. Also. Oh, and they were legitimate. Like it wasn't like a weird Craigslist post. No, it was no, like I for real. I was lucky. <laughs> okay. I think Craigslist, Craigslist might be a little bit more serious in Berlin because back home where I'm from, Craigslist is where like all of the really creepy dudes go. <laughs> I think now it's also going that way in Berlin. Okay. 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 You got lucky. Yeah. Or it was just your destiny. Or maybe that. Okay. And I'm very interested in, first of all, the fact that you come from Iran because I, so my family's Somali. Um, I come from Somalia and I was an immigrant and a refugee in Canada. So I, I know what it's like to be away from your home, people where people have your language and culture mm-hmm. and stuff. And now I'm kind of doing it again by moving to Germany. So I'm like coming as a Canadian. But you moved here as an adult or almost an adult. Yeah. Okay. I was 18. Okay. So and what's like what's the experience of like moving away from home and away from such a culture that is pretty different to Germany? Well, the first word that <laughs> pops up in my head is wild. It was, I mean, it's crazy, seriously, to move. I mean, it's not a, another country, it's another continent. And exactly as you said, it's a very different culture. I mean, maybe in, in, the, in private life, I didn't have a very different lifestyle in family and, you know, in the f- friend circle. But the... Social life in Iran is different because of the Islamic Republic. And coming to Berlin and that at the end of January where it was super cold. Mm. And, you know, people are a bit um, careful with getting to know you. It takes some time for Germans or at least for Berliners. I cannot talk for all Germans. Um, I felt so lonely. I, I felt so, so lonely. And plus all of this feelings is this trauma because I would say if you decide to move to another city or another country, that's fine. But if you're kind of have to give up home and go somewhere else to be able to follow dreams and do other stuff that you're actually not possible or uh, you're not able to do in your own uh, homeland then you're feeling I mean it feels already harsh to even make that decision and coming to a country or to a city like Berlin which is a huge city with so many people it's not like a small village and people would be nice to you and da 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 it took it took some time for me to um, get so tough and be able to handle my life especially also finding flats is so hard in Berlin but it's worth it, I would say. It was worth it. Yeah, I think I think the idea and the feeling of something being worth it is kind of a risk because you have a dream or, no, or a hope or someone might be moving here because they just want to try something new. It doesn't always have to be like just a dream, but I think a lot of people do that. And then I think there's like a wondering is this really what I want? Am I really happy here? And sometimes um, 
the answer can be no. That's why it's so interesting for me. Like, I think definitely it was worth it for me. Um, and I think it's like when it is worth it, all of the pain of finding a flat, which by the way, I still am, I'm in a sublet, which I'm very happy about that. I wish I came six years ago because it was probably a lot easier than to find a flat than now, but you're saying it was really hard still. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's 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 not like it's harder or easier now. It's just expensive. That's that's for sure. What other kind of bumps and like surprises? It could be negative or positive. Did you have like moving here? Could it be also about the people? Yeah. Um, well, my first cultural shock, I would call it, was exactly at this appointment where I went to the, see this musician musicians and the guy who was actually the uh, band leader um i went there um you know being a middle easterner when someone asks you if you want to have some drink or if you want to eat something you definitely say no first because you want to be polite and you don't want to be rude and like say yes right after it's it's a cultural thing i wouldn't i, I didn't say it's good or bad um, I got there. I was so, so thirsty. <laughs> and, and he asked me, um, do you want to have something to drink, some water or coffee? I was like, no, no, thank you. So I was waiting for him to ask me again. Yeah. And he didn't. And he just grabbed the drink for himself and was dying. <laughs> <laughs> but then I learned that was, a f- yeah, the first month, I guess I was in Berlin. I was like, OK, Luna, you're not doing this anymore. It's not Iran. It's different. People yeah. are just being open about what they want and mm-hmm. you know that's fine that was one of them and seconds I would say the way men treat me as a woman um I think in, in my country not in the social life which is about the Islamic Republic um, I say Islamic Republic is nothing against Islam or no Muslim. yeah it's, it's, it's the dictatorship that's the name of the country exactly. yeah so um Men in my country, my friends, and the men that I know, they treat me more respectfully, I would say, than men in Berlin, at least. I, I Still, I cannot say Germany, but my experience, they are more um, careful about you being a female, and they treat you very, you know, very, just very polite and well. I guess it's in Iran. In Iran. Okay. And... Here, I feel like I am more of a bro for them at, the, at first. You know, they are not like so... It's not like women is something super special. I think it also maybe comes from the idea of feminism and that the women are not like some uh, special creatures. We are all equal and everything. But I think sometimes it, go, it goes to another direction that, hey, what's up, you know? <laughs> I, I do like it, but sometimes I miss being a woman in my country, you know, because I, I was different it was different it was a different feeling right right and that's interesting that you're bringing up what it's like in iran um being a woman because the idea of iran i think for a lot of westerners is it's terrible to be a woman there and it's like it's like i think there's misconceptions i think there's things that people know that are true but i also think that iran in general is a misunderstood culture i i'd like to ask you what are the misconceptions about Iran that people have in the West? Um, well, what I realized in this past six years living here, I was trying to put myself in their position and l- look from their perspective. Mm-hmm. I think there is an idea not only about Iran, but the whole Middle East, East um, 
and that w women are worth nothing and they cannot drive, they cannot do nothing, they have to stay at home and cook and clean. When I think about this stuff and I, at the same time, I'm uh, imagining Persian woman in my head. I also cannot talk for other Middle Eastern countries because I also haven't really visited many of them. Um, I just have to laugh when I think about this compare because, yeah, there's the truth about the regime in Iran. You also see it in the past two weeks uh, that people are protesting against them because they are not like that. Because, because of this ugly image that everyone has, or many people at least have about um, Middle East and Iran and that women cannot do anything and if they do something wrong the man is going to kill them. That's definitely not it. My my biggest fan in my life for doing whatever the F I want to do is my dad. The second is my brother and then is many other male friends that I had and still have who are still living in Iran. Um, there are ex exceptions everywhere. Um, like here. Exactly. There are traditional and crazy people in Iran. I'm not saying there's no man who's uh, abusive towards women. It's not... Uh, they're abusive towards everyone. I wouldn't say just women, children, everyone. But me being an Iranian myself, uh, I lived there for 18 years. I grew up there as a woman. I, I haven't seen much of... People like not. I'm still not talking about the government, of course. Just want, just want to make it clear. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see many people who harassed me or any other women or a, a, a dad who killed his daughter. I don't know these stories. For me, it's just like a, I don't know, story in the clouds or something. Um, and now that these stuff are happening in Iran and the protests and everything. We just, as as the people, as the Iranian nation, we just realize how abusive and how cruel the rules are actually in Iran against women. But we never knew because, or we didn't know that well because we normally don't go through them because the normal men are not like those who are in power. So they don't actually make you go through all of this bullshit that is actually legal in Iran. Like if you kill a woman and you're the father... Um, there's basically no um, penalty for the dad because wow. because he's your owner or something like that or if uh, something similar with the husbands or there are some um, rules that if your man doesn't let you get out of the country legally um, you, you just just cannot leave the country or you cannot get separated like there's guardianship rules exactly something mm -hmm. like that or you cannot get separated as a woman from your side you mm -hmm. have to have so many reasons these are the stuff that that i as a normal a persian girl just realized or just learned about so yes the government is like that is the stereotype what we all hear about middle east and blah 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 but that's not the iranian nation because we are also mm -hmm. because the country is also islamic since 43 years so for history 43 years is actually nothing mm -hmm. and before that Iran was just like Berlin you know you could be anything you could wear burqa you could wear a bikini you could swim you could sing you could dance or you could go to a mosque you know and um and it's interesting because I haven't been to a lot of countries in the Middle East but 
there's a narrative that exists in the media that's very purposeful because it's allowed to justify the treatment of Middle Easterners and the ongoing um, American military industrial complex. Exactly. That's why it's it's in existence. So I, t- I completely understand that. But on the other hand, I think Iran is a little bit of a special case because it's the only country that has forced hijab. Like even Saudi Arabia dropped that law <laughs> a few years yeah, ago. Yeah. And the thing that is strange about it to me is that because Persians are, like you said, have this very long and rich history, um, you would think it wouldn't be there. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like force. Like, yeah, of course wear the hijab if you want to wear a hijab. I think some, some women look amazing in it, you know, and I, I think that the fact that all of the women in Iran, I don't know if it's the law anymore, but at some point they all had to wear black as well. It's the image of it that all of the women have to be the same thing. And it's, or it seems that way. I just know that, but I just know that's not the reality of the people. So I think it's important to really say it out loud. But at the same time, I think people who have certain political ideologies will use us saying that as proof that, okay, do you see that? Well, Islam is evil. These people are backwards and we're going to have to free them and, you know, occupy them and do this. And that's not like we have to carry the burden of speaking out against injustice while at the same time preventing injustice to like other people it's it's hard it's tricky it's very tricky um yeah i've heard it so so often these days about um the fact that people are or women are uh, burning their hijabs and taking off the hijab i i don't know how many people would hear this i tell you guys um as an iranian woman a normal Persian citizen has nothing against anyone with any beliefs because we have Jews, we have Christians, we have Muslims, we have Ateists, we have everything in Iran. But the fact that all of these people who do believe or do not believe in something have to look like a Muslim, that is the problem. So what we are fighting for is freedom of choice and not being against Islam or uh, being against any religion or any belief. So we would as we did in the past when we had the king and before that. Um, we would respect anyone as normal Persians, as normal Iranians. We would respect anyone with any belief. And the way they want to dress is their choice as long as they don't tell other people what to do or yes. what to believe in. So that's the only thing that we are fighting for. We are fighting for freedom. That's it. Yeah, fighting for freedom. Thank you for tuning in to Being Berlin. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors who made today's episode possible. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Bands, for giving us the opportunity to bring a piece of Berlin to listeners. If you're a hobbyist musician and want to join a rock band with real rehearsals, Bands is a way to meet fellow hobbyists, improve your skills, and have fun. Register at bandsberlin.com and bring back music to your life. We're talking about, about I don't know how long ago it was. I think it might have been two to three weeks, but Masa Amini was killed in police custody in Iran. Was it in Tehran? It was in Tehran. And she was 22 years old, like, yeah. which is an adult in legally here, but 22 is a child. <laughs> She's a, a girl with her whole life ahead of her. And the 
police lied and said she suffered a heart attack when she was actually beaten. And it was because of a social media video that she had posted that showed too much of her hair, which was like, but it was like barely any hair showing, but it was too much. And she was arrested. So this has sparked the largest woman-led political protest in Iran's history. And you're experiencing it as an Iranian outside of the country. And how has this experience been for you? One of the hardest. Mm. I mean, being away from Iran, missing my family was is always very hard, but I cannot even compare it to that. You know, the, the fe- first of all, we don't have a connection with our parents anymore. Sometimes they can write us. Sometimes they have, like, for some hours they have internet. So thank uh, Islamic Republic, we are going to the uh, um, direction of North Korea or something. Wow. Um, that makes it way harder, but it's not about me and my family anymore. It's about the whole country. I just feel so heartbroken for innocent people especially they are norm most of the people who go on protest they are gen z they are 16 17 it's so crazy because this is a um tiktok generation these are the girls who would uh, dance in, in front of their cameras on tiktok with a mini top and da, da, da. and they are literally going to the street and risking their lives it's so so fierce so crazy i we I think most of the people never even thought that this generation would do something, but they are actually the fighters. It's I cannot tell you how hard it is to be outside of the country, I, but I cannot also tell you if I was in Iran, I would also be one of them who went on the street. Probably, yeah, because I was always, always crazy too, but this is so... Um, this is such a tough time and just so unbelievable because it's not only Masa Amini anymore. There are so many people who are getting killed every single day. In the protests. In the protests. Mm. So it's, I, 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 We heard about 167 of them till now during two weeks. Imagine, Which are the ones that are just confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Imagine about the rest of them. So exactly like the scenario that they made for Masa Amini, but I mean, we are used to it. We know all of this um games of the uh, government but they just killed another girl nika she she was 17 she she just turned 17 actually oh she had God. her birthday three days ago or something on, on 3rd of october i guess um and then uh she disappeared one while she went for for a protest with her friends and after 10 days they found her dead body with the smashed nose and a broken school and um, so with after so many troubles, they managed to get her body and they wanted to bury her somewhere where the parents wanted to do um, in their own village, city, wherever they come from. And um, so the day after where they were actually going to bury the um, body of her daughter, they realized that they stole it. They stole the dead body because they knew if they let them bury her where they said they're going to do it, people are going to go there mm. and do more protests. So for that, imagine they didn't even let the family alone with the dead body of their daughters, 17 years old. And this is this is not about Iran anymore. This is w- women's right. This is human humans, right, you know? And I, I would sit here and say the same stuff if, if this ha- happened somewhere else because... 
similar stuff are happening in Afghanistan, but now they are not trends anymore. You know, they are not trending, and everyone mm-hmm. is forgetting about them. Mm-hmm. But the Afghans were also uh, one of the first um, women, one of the first nationality who also went out on the street for Iranians. Uh, it's so hard. I cannot tell you in any kind of words and sentences how hard it is to be here outside the country and see all of this brutality happening. But thank to Germany, I have a voice. I have my concerts. I can talk about it and share awareness at least, at least. So the the fact that this time people outside of the country are hating us it's a new thing for us because this protest used to happen very often already mm-hmm. at least in the past 10 years and this is the first time that we are being seen and heard so that's a hope that's a real hope and hope is what what is hope to you we want a democratic country. That's mm-hmm. what we want. And the hope is that they will finally give up, you know, because they are shooting people on the street. Either people have to win this fight. It's it's not it's not the peaceful protest anymore. It, it wasn't. It never was. I mean, people went for a, a peaceful protest, but it's just not allowed in a, in a dictatorship country. You know, it's, it's just not possible to go out and say what you want. They don't listen to you. They just shoot you. And they are doing it. Um, and how can... It's the irony of, like, spiritual religious leaders killing their own people is just in, uh, unbelievable. Like, I mean, not religious. If you have a religion, you would actually mostly go for peace and, you know... Talking and solving their problems. They they just claim that they are religious. They are just monsters. I cannot tell you what they are. Like, even a monster is not that horrible as they are. Like, they 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 used to use religion because religion is a some is something that is connected to people's heart. So people thought religious people should be normally good people, and they kind of got got the trust of people to trust them and let them uh, you know rule the country because it was an islamic uh, revolution what happened 40 years ago in iran it turned to a islamic um, revolution yeah it was a revolution against american intervention exactly right exactly and um i mean it's a very political um title and i cannot i'm not a politician to <laughs> talk about everything and act like i'm smart but Oh, I think you're very smart. <laughs> Thank you. But what we know as the nation of Iran is that the king, the Shah, um, who wasn't perfect, of course, um, at some point started um, talking against U.S. and the, all of the oil stuff. I don't really know the details. And once he started being against them, all of this mess actually started and after some years already, he w- he got kicked out, and they he was very sick actually when he uh, ran away from Iran. He couldn't get into U.S. But actually, this family got in power in Iran through U.S. before. So imagine, I mean, this is not like hundred years ago. People are not dumb anymore. You can read history. You can you can think. You know, you are not so close-minded, or you have knowledge at least, and you see the history. History repeats itself, unfortunately, very often. And um, why Islamic Republic lasted so long, for me, is just one answer. They are having the uh, the, um, deals with the U.S. for oil and 
That's it. If if they also, you know, the picture that we have from Iran and uh, U.S. or the Western countries is like they are not they are they don't have a good relation. But it doesn't make sense for me with all of these sanctions and problems and everything and that we are the terrorists and blah, blah, blah. How come this this government still lasts? How, how is that even possible? For me, it just makes sense that they have some hidden relations together, some deals. Iran is a very rich country when it comes to oil. So right. they don't want them to go away, you know. Uh, they don't really care about the people in Iran. Otherwise, we are being super loud. We are harassing people on social media. We are posting so much. All of the hashtags. Is, this this Masa Amini hashtag is the highest number and of hashtags in the history of Twitter. Imagine. Wow. <laughs> it is. Wow. So... They already, everyone already knows what is happening. If nothing is going to change, you know, and if you, we are going to keep getting killed, then, you know, Eluna Kavari one day said, there's a deal. There's a deal because of oil. Yeah, I think people, generally the average person, um, is unaware of the inner workings of elite power. The United States, which is the largest military in the history of the world, and pumps insane and ungodly amounts of money into their military every year. Their budgets for the military could be used to solve world hunger in a day. <laughs> um, and it's not surprising when you look at the resources that they extract from Africa, for example, and Iran is positioned well in, in the Middle East as... I mean, in, in Iran is a power in the Middle East, even though I think they're a bit isolated from other, um, politically isolated from other Middle Eastern countries. They're still very powerful. Yeah. And they're also very organized, you know? And I think that America has proven time and again that it gets into bed with its enemies. The, like, right now, Putin is a, an enemy to America, but they might be friends tomorrow. You know, it's yeah. it's about what is going to serve American interests and the rest of us are going to get caught in that shitstorm. It's hard to speculate when we, we when we know so little. And then also, like, what's really important is the people that are dying and then the, the women that are oppressed. So you'd like to see, like you said, you'd like to see the country become democratic. I think it's a really good um, ideal to strive for. But... One thing we can see is just, look, it's not working in, in Iran. It's just not working. You know, I think that the fact that there has been two weeks of like growing protests led by girls, like led, led, led by children. Children, This yeah. is, it's so sad. It's, I mean, it's beautiful to see people fighting for their rights, but it's so sad to see that it's children doing it. You know, it should be, it should be the, you know, the 40 year olds and the, you know, the people who have like are in these positions of power. But something happens as you get older and you just start to accept the world in a way that you don't when you're a child. Or maybe you get more scared. I would say the uh, generation of 40 plus in Iran are, first of all, so tired. I don't want to uh, right. put the blame on them 100% because they went through war, the revolution, all of the mess that happened during these 40 years. I think they just don't have... The, we also had this cultural revolution, something like that. I don't really know what it's called um so so they couldn't 
finished their university or they had to have a two years or three years of break. So they, they went through a lot of shit after the revolution. And they also had problems when the king was there yet, at, at least the last years of his um, uh, rulings. Um, I think if they wanted to do something, they would have done till now. But um, this new generation is not a ger- generation to sit there and accept. I mean, like, yeah, if you tell me what to do or w- w- to wear what, to not not to wear this and that, they wouldn't. They they just don't take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my when I think of my parents, they are they are fine. You know, they are like, yeah, who cares? Just let's just wear the scarf and let's wear the hijab and da da da. I wasn't like that, but I wasn't still as crazy as Fearless. this. Yeah, yeah, this generation. I mean, I was, we were in a different way. We were um, fearless in the families. Because if, right. my, if my dad, for example, said, please uh, wear something longer so that you don't get in trouble when you go out. It's not about the private life. When I used to go out on the street and when the police is there and blah, blah, blah. So I was fighting with my dad to... Why would I do that? They should close their eyes. They shouldn't look at me in a sexual way. So, you know, if my if our parents at that time supported us actually this way that now now the children are doing and their parents, maybe it, it happened way earlier than it's happening right now. So our revolution of my generation, I mean, 90, 90 or a bit older, um, the revolution was in our homes, although we have actually open-minded parents. But this generation is very different, and they have internet and TikTok, Instagram. They they grew up also very differently. So yeah, they grew up seeing the world exactly. through a screen. Yeah, whereas people before grew up just imagining the world. Exactly. So you touched a little bit about the fact that. The differences between being a woman in Iran and being a woman in Berlin. And it's that sometimes it can feel a little bit bro-y here. But I'm wondering as a jazz singer, which is what you are, uh, how has it been being a woman in that scene? <sighs> Very interesting question. I never did this compare actually for myself. Um, you know, I, I was also on the stages in Iran, but as a violinist. Wow. In an in an orchestra. So it was a very different situation. It was very classical and very formal. It was a different world from, you know, wearing a sexy dress and red lipstick and being on the stage by myself. So it already is a big difference, naturally, where mm-hmm. how the people look at you. Um, I used to get a lot of respect in Iran as well. Not necessarily in a sexual way. Uh, or just because I'm a woman, but I had a lot of people reaching out to me or writing me. It was very interesting for me because I was just a part of an orchestra, you know, I wasn't the front singer. Um, here, um, I get... Well, the interesting thing is I normally get a lot of compliment from women, especially older women. Um, they come to me and they, sing, they say that I... I really touch their heart or I look beautiful or my dress is so beautiful. So I, I really do get a lot of compliments from women. 
And I think now, now I'm thinking about it. I normally don't really get a lot of men coming so close to me to talk to me. I think they are kind of not sure if they are, if it's okay to go to a, probably a, again, a Middle Easterner girl and tell them if she's beautiful or she sang beautifully. I don't really get it normally. It Okay. I get it when I, um, I, it happens when I sing at a jazz bar or so. They will come to me because they're also a bit, you know, tipsy and it's a um, cooler vibe. But in concerts, I just had it yesterday, actually, that for the first time, two guys came to me and one of them asked if, if, I, if they can make a picture with me. It was the very first time for me in Berlin. Oh wow! In Germany, yeah, we were okay. You're famous. You're famous now. No, I'm not famous. Okay. But they were so sweet, and I was like, "Yes, finally, some men are coming to talk to me." I I don't have this uh, relationship between um, male audience in Germany that I had in Iran because they they wrote me very often in Iran because I mean our country is also like people are much more talkative and they would come to <laughs> you and they would, they would g- give compliments and yeah. they're they're more playful i would say and just just fun um but here they are very careful with you being a woman and of course plus being a woman being a middle easterner i think because sometimes i i had this experience we had a concert end of september i guess somewhere in a small city and I love alcohol. <laughs> I, I normally take a shot or something before the concerts. It makes me feel a bit better. And don't drink alcohol. Don't drink alcohol. I'm not uh, saying that is good. Um, the guy, uh, the, the the one who actually invited us in this hall, he came to me and was like, I see that you, uh, because we're Iranians and Israelis, he said, I see that the um, Iranians are eating pizza with pork and you're you're drinking alcohol how is that i was like oh my goodness he you know it gives me some uh ideas of how people see us or what they think about us you know the i don't know i mean it was i think he was just surprised or it was just interesting for me i mean i didn't take it in a bad way but i was still shocked i was like what does being Iranian has to do with eating pork or drinking alcohol? And I just made fun of it. I said, I'm an alcoholic. What are you saying? You know? Um, so I think they are um, kind of scared to come up to me and talk to me as a as a singer. But I, I, I also, I mean, I am now um, experiencing different stuff. The more, the older I get and the more concerts I do, they write me sometimes on Instagram or Facebook mostly. Or they come to me now. I mean, it was very different before. They always smiled at me before, but never talked to me. But now they're kind of, you know, trusting me, I guess. Or the more, maybe they know more about Iranian women. I don't know. Maybe they're just trusting us more as a normal human being and not being aliens or something. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So you mentioned that you are in an Israeli-Iranian band. First of all, what's the name of your band? It's called, it's a bit complicated, Sistan Aguila. Sistan is the name of a city in Iran. And Nagila comes from the Havana Gila. You probably know Havana Oh, right. Yeah. So we were thinking of the name, which makes sense for Israel and Iran. So we made up this name, mixed up these two Persian and Hebrew words. And how many people are in the band? We have a saxophonist, contrabass, guitar... Persian percussion, 
um, two singers. So sometimes six, six people, some, sometimes seven. And it's a jazz band. Well, it's a crazy band because one of <laughs> the guitarists actually comes from a heavy metal band. He used to play heavy metal. Um, the saxophonist is a crazy jazzist. Um, the other, the uh, our band leader, I would call him, and also the singer. Um, he he studied uh, composition, classical. Um, the percussion is Persian, it's traditional Persian, and contrabass is contrabass. So it's a mix of everything, but I would say it's just a new style of music. It's I cannot really tell you. We were just talking about it yesterday on the way to the concert. What are we actually? We do jazz, we do flamenco, we do... These, these are the boldest, I would say. Flamenco. flamenco I love flamenco. Me too. I grew up actually with flamenco. My brother plays flamenco guitar. Wow. Yeah, and it's you very... Wouldn't, you wouldn't see that. You wouldn't think that's happening in Iran. Like, people just have dumb ideas. This is so cool. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, because um, Spanish music is... I mean, Spanish and Middle Eastern music are very uh, influence, influenced by each other. So, um, yeah, there was like... Spain was an Islamic country for 800 years. Yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and you know, the Morocco and everything. So um, we have this, we have the uh, Ladino, we have the Spanish, um, the flamenco, we have the Persian traditional music mixed with jazz because we have three guys who are crazy about jazz. And then we have a a bit of Western music mixed in it because we are all Israelis and Iranians who are not in uh, our countries anymore. So we are living the Western life also somehow. We want to have music, of course, which would attract some people except for us Middle Easterners. Um, yeah, you should just come up to our concert and I, we invite you. Then you know what kind of music I'm very it is. Excited. Where, can, where can people check out Sister Nagila? Where can they check out the music? They can check it on everywhere, actually. It's, um, all of the social media platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, Facebook, and we have a website. Uh, all right. You mentioned something interesting, which is like you still you make your music, which is all the music that you guys like and maybe comes from your cultures as well. But then you make sure it's a little it can cater a little bit to Western people as well. And I think it's interesting because I also like I was I was raised in Canada, so I was raised in a Western culture, but I still feel like super connected to being, you know, Somali, being from Somalia. And people have like picked that up from me like, wow, you're like really invested in being Somali. And I was like, why why wouldn't I be? (laughs) But also it's interesting because I'm wondering, how do you navigate being somebody from another another place and what's considered a very different place to being in in Germany like how does it does it affect your days um is it something you think about like how does that how does that factor into your mind if I want to be very honest with you I used to run away from being an Iranian uh the first years I got here I just hated it because of the stupid ideas that people had about me as an individual just because I was Iranian, I was like, f- fluff this thing. I, um, I'm so done with explaining myself that I am not this and that. I didn't uh, look like 
this and that in my country. Or oh, I had people, I, I went to a show um, to do this vocal test and blah, blah. And they, I was wearing a very sexy dress and I, I I've done my makeup and everything because... I mean, Persian women, if they go to a supermarket to get a, get a drink, they wear makeup. You, you have no idea. They're just crazy about looks. And uh, there were four... Um, it's not a hate. Just I'm just no, saying I'm, the truth. No, I love makeup. <laughs> they, they were... I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. They were um, four Germans, three girls, and a guy. Actually young, not that old. And... After I sang, they said, um, you, you have a good voice, you can sing well, but uh, I, think you're, I think you're so ashamed or you're so shy uh, because you had three uh, song choices and you asked us which one you should sing. It's your choice. Why did you ask us? It's, I think, and she said it right after, I think it's also a cultural thing because you come from a, um Islamic country or a Middle Eastern country. You don't trust to trust yourself to choose for yourself. Or, uh, by the way, is it true that in Iran you're only allowed to show your eyes and everything else has to be covered? And did you learn to wear your makeup in Berlin? And... <laughs> I mean, I was, first of all, shocked. And, of course, um, I felt so bad. I felt really bad. And, and then I was like, do you seriously think a Persian girl who has nothing else to do but wearing makeup every day <laughs> learns how to wear makeup in a city like Berlin? Like, <laughs> not, no, nowhere but Berlin. Because Berlin is a very cool city. You can go out, like, however you want. So it was so offensive um but then after two three years when I got my uh shit together <laughs> I realized why would I run away from my reality I if if I understand stuff differently or if I went through some pain that makes me tougher or if there's some stuff that I understand which maybe these people didn't experience it's because I'm coming from another country and another culture maybe I should celebrate it instead of running away from it and tr try to also become a western girl and you know live this pure western life why would I because I know in in my real culture we are also free we could also wear whatever we want and we could also be open minded and accept uh, everything I don't know gays uh, trances, whatever you don't think belongs to a Middle Easterner, we are actually totally fine with this stuff. So um, I think I was kind of trying to erase the question instead of looking for the answers and solutions, you know. So it's different now for me how I feel about being Iranian in a Western country. Um, it's hard, I have to say. Uh, especially nowadays because of the situation in Iran. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are living their normal life and I am on, on the train and I look at my phone and I have to cry, you know, like you're crazy. <laughs> it's just, you, it's like you are um, cut in two and half of your you is in your home and your parents and your friends, what is happening there and half of it is here who has to go to work and who has to smile to people act like everything is normal and you know it's 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 so hard it's very hard 
Yeah, I think I think that's a really poignant way of putting it that you're cut in two. Your heart is cut in two. Because on the one hand, you're happy with your life. You're glad about the decisions you make. You're excited about the future. But your home, your language, your family, your history is somewhere else. And it's not so easy to go back and forth. You know, I think... I really actually am not sure I'm curious about this because I know some... Iranians who do travel back to Iran Mm -hmm. and then there's some that can't right Mm -hmm. so is it easy for you to return I mean now it's maybe now not now but in normal and other times not really since the day I came to Berlin I didn't go back anymore because I I was the girl who always liked not on purpose but I just liked stuff or I wanted to do stuff which were not allowed in the Islamic country in, in the Islamic Republic and I knew if I'm gonna actually go for my dreams, I probably have to give up on Iran and um, Tehran, at least as long as we have this um, crazy regime. It's possible for a person maybe who wants to um, study medicine, let's say, or who's an engineer, who has nothing to do with art and politics, and they just, you know, they have some safe industrial um, jobs or stuff that they study. I mean, you know, art is always kind of somehow connected to politics, even if you try to run away from it. I mean, I'm not talking about um, entertaining art, but real art which comes from a situation and has a story. So... Being a woman, first of all, I wasn't allowed to do music. I mean, I wasn't allowed to sing, and I started doing it here. And then the stamp of not going back to Iran was the Israeli ban. So, I mean, the government in Iran... How would they know? Would they know? Definitely. Shit. Imagine if um, a, a singer wrote a song in this past two days in Iran... It was made of the tweets that people wrote in these two weeks of uh, protest happening. Such a beautiful song, actually. Um, we should give it a try. Um, he got so many views and clicks in some hours that they arrested him the day after. So imagine how they are trying to control people. And I imagine being a woman, talking shit about the regime all the time, working with Israelis I don't see a chance for myself to go back so I do have a different situation from a, from my friend who was studying uh, medicine and she goes very often to Iran and comes back it's different, it depends what kind of an Iranian you are okay. sometimes people also tell me stop posting so much, don't talk so much shit about the regime They will. Um, it, it's dangerous but I am here to be able to open my mouth so Wow. Um, And there's, you talked a little bit about like, you know, meaningful art and how, you know, things that are really have a message inherently inside of them somewhere. I, so I'm crazy about movies or at some point in my life I was crazy about movies. (laughs) And I love the so much, not so much, but I, a little bit of Iranian cinema that I got the opportunity to see. But there are actors, um, I forget her last name, but I know her first name is Gulshifteh. 
honey. Yeah, she's just like banned from the country. Like she can't yeah. like she can't go back. She's just stuck in France. And it, she was one of the first revolutionary women it, of Iran. And it's so unbelievable because she's such a great just what a great person to represent your country. You know, wonderful yeah. actress, so eloquent. I think she speaks like four or five languages or something. I like no idea. She speaks so many. Like it's she's just wonderful and um Iran should be proud. The regime should be proud of someone like no, that. You know, hate, they hate her uh, for for the regime. She's just a lost, terrible, um, bad words. I think that one of the things that she said, I don't know if it was her or someone else, but basically the Persian language, I don't speak it. But, you know, um, for example, Rumi wrote in, in Farsi. Yeah. And so there's a rich history of poetry and it's it's a very rich oral tradition and like literature and i think it's just a shame that you know you don't get to you don't get to have that anymore i think that maybe is that one of the harder things definitely yeah i mean not maybe not the language then um slang but the literature is so beautiful and i'm i love languages i'm and i'm very much in contact with different languages and I'm trying to learn a lot of them. It's not because I am an Iranian, but just as a person who's interested in languages, I tell you this is one of the most beautiful languages, especially when it comes to poetry and literature. And it's so hard that I, I, I mean, I, I, I still have to learn languages so well to say this, but I still assume there are not many languages which can express feelings and beauty in the way that Persian can. And unfortunately, also because of this ugly image that we have in the world, the language is also kind of only isolated in that area and not many people know it. But it's actually, it's a lot of, a lot of philosophy and these kind of stuff, if you learn the language that you can learn through the old poetry and literature in Persian. Okay, so I think we, we because this is a podcast about Berlin Berlin and Berliners, and this is your uh, this is your home, uh, and you discussed a little bit about the difficulties of finding a flat and other cultural uh, impacts and barriers, but I would also like to hear some good things about, you know, Berlin and what why it's special to you and why you love it. I love it because it has so much happening inside it. I mean, you can you can it feels like a little world. Berlin is a little world where you can see everything and everyone from any culture, any language. So, if you're in, interested in getting to know more about the world, Berlin is the place. So, it's it's just so crazy that you have literally every single nationality here. Some of them are more, some of them are less, but it's just for a person like me who's curious about other cultures and their music, especially in their language, it's just a perfect city. Um, for music, it's it's great for music because there are, well, there are a lot of musicians in Berlin, which makes it also kind of hard to get jobs and gigs. But still, it's a city where you can do something as a musician. And I love it that it's so historical and you have so many of... There's a vibe, there's a... I mean, I, I live very close to the Berlin, the previous Berlin Wall. And every day when I see it, it I just... Looking at it m- makes me learn more and more about humanity and the history that we shouldn't be hateful. And 
it's it, I just learn a lot every day and it's a big city it's wild I love big cities there's so many good stuff about Berlin that I probably can't remember right now but there's a reason that I last here six years so okay that was beautiful uh Luna thank you so much for this interview You're it was welcome. I just absolutely loved it and yeah that's it thank you so much for having me the end of today's podcast thank you so much for tuning in be sure to give being berlin a follow on instagram at being berlin pod we'd love to hear from you and talk all things berlin and berliners and we'd like to thank our sponsor bands for giving us the opportunity to bring a piece of berlin to listeners if you're a hobbyist musician and want to join a rock band with real rehearsals bands is a way to meet fellow hobbyists improve your skills and have fun register at bandsberlin.com and bring back music to your life